Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 172. Week 172, volume 172, number fucking 172. Hey, on guys, how's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Reese of Resist the Thought, and that will be coming up later in the show. Nothing really to kick off the start of the show except welcome to all the new followers and listeners and subscribers of The Mosh Zone. Great to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. So enough of that. Let's get into the main part of the show. This week, I got to sit down with Reese of Resist the Thought. First thing I got to say, thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and The Mosh Zone. Much love. Much respect. Much appreciated. So who will resist the thought? For those unaware or uneducated, they are an Aussie band from Sydney that formed around 2007, broke up around 2013, decided to reform in 2017-2018, so far one EP and two albums to their name. They are on the verge of releasing a new album called Renaissance, comes out August 6th, There are bands stylistically that has matured and changed a little bit over time. Started out as a straight-to-the-walls deathcore band. Now they're a band with metalcore mixed with deathcore feels. They were a very important deathcore outfit on the Australian scene when they were really active. They're now a band that it's great to see a back and big things on the horizon. This was a really good, exciting, in-depth, relaxed chat with Reese. I enjoyed every moment. I hope you do too. That chat with Reese is coming up now. So, everyone gets the same start-off question, and that is, you know, not a heavy band per se, but do you remember discovering music because of a certain band and then becoming obsessed with them? Because for me, it was like five years old, I became all about Aerosmith. Don't know why, but Aerosmith was my jam. Was there something for you as a kid? Uh, look, to be honest with you, like a lot of music my dad used to listen to was like obviously old 70s sort of stuff, and that was sort of, you know, in the background on radios and whatnot, and that sort of intrigued me a lot, music. I was like, how do they create, you know, this sort of, you know, musical fusion sort of thing? And, I, you know, you get drawn to melodies and stuff like that, and uh obviously very drawn to Queen and Freddie Mercury and then obviously seeing the way he performs and his theatrics on stage, you know, just resonated a lot with me and I thought, you know, this is actually really cool. But obviously having not really much talent in, in, in actually singing melodies, <laughs> the sort of, uh, you know, moved my focus towards more heavy stuff. And, uh, you know, um, I remember when I was a kid, my sister was into a band called like, My Chemical Romance, which is sort of like a, you know, an emo sort of style band. And um, I remember going to a, a concert called A Taste of Chaos. Mm. Um, I was about 15. wasn't really into the music at all, but I remember watching Killswitch Engage live and watching Howard Jones scream. That was the first time I ever heard someone scream, and I was like, what is this? This is just out of control. Um, and then it just sort of went down the rabbit hole of just learning, you know, different sort of styles and genres and sort of what I you know, liked and I went down the deathcore sort of style and, you know, even death metal sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's been an interesting journey, you know, like music's, music's crazy where it sort of takes you, but yeah, that's sort of where it sort of started. Definitely, definitely Freddie Mercury and Queen was a big influence for me for sure. Now, what about, you know, you know, you see Howard Jones and you decide that that's something you, you really into, but when did you decide that, you know, vocals was something you wanted to pursue? (laughs) <laughs> That's a funny one. I remember in, in, in high school, I tried to learn how to play guitar, but actually couldn't play guitar to save my life. Um, <laughs> same with drums. I was just obviously wanted the music so much, but I just had no musical talent. I really didn't. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I was always a confident kid growing up and always had to be good, like it, or try to be good at everything I did. Like if it was skateboarding or something, I'd jump, jump down a set of stairs and try and break my neck and, you know, just do dumb things. And 
I don't know. As soon as I heard the screaming sort of style, I thought this is something I can give a crack at. Doesn't surely it's not too hard. Uh, and yeah, I remember just sitting in the bathtub as a kid, sort of just screaming along to, you know, like, all sorts of stuff. Like as I said, like kill switch and all sorts of things. And Mum used to bang on the door like, "Shut up! You, what are you doing? You just..." <laughs> You're a lunatic, but you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. And I, I think even now, like I'm 30 years old now, even it still doesn't really make much sense to me, but the thing that really draws me to heavy music is, is the, the emotional side of it. You know, it's, mm. it's such an emotional sort of thing. And, and it, yeah, like it just captures me in a different way. And it is for every metalhead that listens to it. It's that emotion that it's just so contagious. It's, it's just awesome. It is, and it draws you in, and clearly it drew you in. I mean, what about, you know, so you're in high school, obviously, during this time too. I mean, are you purely and solely focused on this music obsession, or are you looking at, you know, we, we're all at school at some stage back in the heyday, and we all remember teachers saying you need good grades because you need to have your career mapped out, you know, you need to know what you're going to do, and what were you like in your later period of high school? Look, that's an interesting question. Yeah, so in high school, I went to an all-boys school, and, and having no girls around, I guess, was sort of a, you know, a distraction to sort of focus on something because there was no girls around. So, you know, uh, music was a thing that we were drawn to. You know, like everyone was into the like bands and different stuff, and and yeah one afternoon like my best like resist at the time they was like sort of establishing themselves and and i wasn't a part of it but obviously watching them you know play shows and and sort of just breaking not break into the music scene but sort of getting to the local sort of scene and and um i was like this is really cool so i started my own band in, in high school and um we had no idea what we we're doing absolutely zero idea i didn't even think i knew what i was doing but i thought you know what i'm just gonna give it a crack and just see what happens and and um yeah and, and we actually played our first show with resist at the time um and uh i remember <laughs> after we finished playing um the resist boys came up to me and like you, you actually are really good you, <laughs> are you interested in doing vocals because the, the current vocalist isn't interested he wants to go back to playing bass so i was like yeah all right for sure like why not give it a crack I'll do two bands and we'll see what happens. And then the, the first band I joined, they sort of just fizzled out and I just continued on the road with Resist, you know? And yeah, it's sort of, at a younger age, it's you, you get so obsessed with music and, and you want to be this, you know, mega rock star and tour of the world and you have all these hopes and dreams. And as you get older, it sort of, it sort of reality sets in and, you know, and paying bills and mortgages and sort of that kind of stuff sort of, you know, goes into the front of it all and it's sort of music sort of goes on the back burner a bit but it always has been something so passionate you know for me like I always enjoy it it's just creating music is just so enjoyable and 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 getting five guys together in a room and creating you know something from nothing is just absolutely amazing and you know I'm forever grateful for the journey you know I've had in music really it's it's been great you mentioned in there like local scene and you know your band before resist and you're seeing resist going around but what was it like at that period your local you know gig scene was it pretty vibrant was there a lot of shows on and were you seeing a lot of examples of how you could if you wanted to put the grind in and make it per se yeah i think obviously when you're young i I don't think you think logically and you just think oh you know what i'm going to be in a band you know five years time you know like if we keep doing what we're doing now become rock stars and and there was local bands at the time that you know were pretty good and they were playing with like i killed the prom queen you know amity affliction at the time and all these big bands and it was like the local scene was so big like that's the one thing that sort of shook me a lot like back in the day you know like when like from 2008 to about 2012 the local scene was massive like you know we we'd sell out shows you know, all, all across Sydney and even go down to Melbourne and up to Queensland, the shows would sell out. Like, it was amazing. But, yeah, yeah. And you are right, though. There was that period where, you know, I'm not saying it's not booming now and it's pretty hard to say it's now booming when there's all this pandemic going on, but there was a period where it felt like people were turning out to shows and opportunities for bands were far greater than they are now. Um, without me sounding like the old man saying back in the day, back in the day. But what was it like, you know, when you come in to resist, what was the initial goals? Was it just to play as many shows as possible? Or were you guys at a young age already having lofty expectations? You know, were you reaching for the sky? Oh, look, 
definitely reaching for the sky, 100%. We had it all. Well, we, we thought we had it all mapped out and sort of tried to push the envelope and, you know, and, you know, focus. We practice. This is a thing, like, a lot of people don't realise the efforts that people go to into bands, not even just to make it, but just to be, in, like, you know, be a unit. It's, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifices, you know. You've got to, you know, practice and write lyrics and think of concepts and, right you know riffs and you know there's so many elements that come to it it's just such a big process but at the time we just wanted to be rock stars we you know we did everything we could to try and you know make it as such you know and uh like we we even like saved up our money works you know part-time and and whatnot and you know we thought before Damnation, after we did our first EP, we thought, you know what, we're going to sort of head overseas. Um, and that's when we recorded Sovereignty over in America, which is, you know, a massive step for us. We thought that was sort of going to be the thing that sort of, you know, broke it and got us out into the, you know, into the bigger realms of music. But it sort of just didn't <laughs> really get there. But, you know, we're back at it now. And, and, and it's just for the fun, really. Like, we just, we're just just doing it for the fun. And if people love it, so be it. But, you know... I still enjoy it, and the boys do as well, and we'll just see what happens, you know. One thing you probably also don't realise as a kid that you do now as, as, as an adult is also being an Australian heavy band or underground band, it is also harder to kind of achieve those goals because the country is so sparse, the scenes are so far apart. But when you... Obviously, you're building this base in Sydney off the gift of sacrifice, which is the EP you were talking about. Did you really feel like there was a bit of a groundswell and people in the scene were talking about Resist at the time? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, it comes down to playing shows. The more shows you get, the more exposure you got at the time. And that was what it was all about, you know. We used to play every every offer we got for a show, we were there. And we did. We worked our asses off to try and get build up the local scene and, and build up, you know, as much as we possibly could. And then bands followed us. And it, it's just it's just a beautiful thing at the time, you know. But unfortunately, as I said, yeah, as you said, the pandemic's played a massive role in that. And, I, I, and it's pretty sad to see, like, a lot of bands are probably, like, a lot of people that are thinking being in bands have sort of lost a lot of motivation because they think, well, we can't play shows, you know, we can do it like a studio band, but we can't go to a recording studio because obviously COVID's going to restrict that. And there's so many facets to it now. So I just don't know how it's going to be for the future of music. But at the time, man, the music scene was so good. It just, every show we played was just, was, was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. The, the you know, the hardcore metal scene uh, in Australia was amazing. Like, you know, no matter where we went, uh, we could be in the middle of, you know, we went to, I'll never forget, we went to a place called Warnable, which is down the bottom of Victoria, mm. and we on like a Sunday night, and we were not keen at all. We are like, you know, we're dead after playing shows in Melbourne. Like, let's just go. Like, do we even want to play this show in Warnable? I remember rocking up at the front of the venue on a Sunday night, and the lineup was down the road. There was so many people there, and we're like, what is going on? There's a little surf town in the bottom of Victoria. We were just so shocked. And, you know, and, and seeing people so, you know, passionate about what we do and so intrigued and, you know, buying merch and stuff like that, it just, it's amazing. And to not to have that at the moment, it sort of makes you sort of forget what you had. Something it's hard to explain, but it's just not the same anymore. It's very different. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think also back in those times, something that was also was... And it's something that resists you guys have dealt with the ebb and flow of the scene and the, also the ebb and flow of like the fickleness of Australian fans. And I'm, I'm not trying to disrespect them, but, you know, you guys resist were highly, highly, highly touted because you guys were playing the deathcore style. And then suddenly deathcore became nobody really wanted to hear it. It became an ugly word. And if you were called a deathcore band, people ignored you. And I think that was a weird thing because Damnation just, it felt like you exploded during Damnation. You were playing with Suicide Silence, Acacia Strain, All Shall Perish. You guys were, I would say, one of the few hottest properties that were playing that style. Yeah, definitely. Like, as I said, yeah, as you said at the time, we, we honestly thought we were indestructible. And, you know, it was quite interesting. And as you do say that, like, yeah, you're right. Deathcore went through a, like a sort of stage there where it did sort of like flop a bit, you know, like we brought our sovereignty and we honestly thought we put all the efforts into it and we did everything we possibly could to make that record special. And, 
you know, like, as I said, we flew over to the States to record that and we spent time recording with, you know, uh, Chris Castleman, which he was the guy that's produced, you know, Killswitch stuff and he's also produced um, As A Late Dying and, and stuff like that. And, you know, you put all the effort in and then you sort of get home and then the scene sort of moved on as such. But that's, that's you know, taking all that away from it, it's not really what it's about, in my opinion. Like, music is so individual and, you know, you know, I honestly, I couldn't care less if a hundred people or a million people or 20 people like what we do. It doesn't really matter. As long as we enjoy what we're doing and we're producing the music that we like, that's that's all that really matters. And if people like it, that's a bonus, really. Like, mm. that's, the, that's the way I see it now. Um, it's, it's very different, you know, like the, my mindset for now. I just write music with the guys that we want to we, we want to play and what we enjoy liking. Like we've taken influences from other bands that we enjoy listening to, and we, we try and create our own, and, and that's it. Yeah, and that 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 must be a refreshing outlook to have because when you're younger, it probably would have been a whole different ball game. You probably would have been really critical and self-analyzing why X, Y, and Z isn't working. Absolutely, definitely, without without a doubt, you know. Um, but yeah, and I think that you do, if you have that mindset at a young age, you sort of do get stuck in that rabbit hole, you sort of go one way, where that's not how music really should be created. It should be fun, energetic, and, and, and you know, and, and you got to have passion in what you do. You sort of can't just follow scenes and trends, and I think that's what Resist sort of try to do. We sort of try to just keep ourselves in the one lane and, and, and fuck it. Like, if people don't like it, then whatever. Like, we play deathcore fucking riff metal fucking shit and if you don't like it then that's that's on you you know <laughs> we're just lucky yeah growing up at yeah as i said between 2012 to yeah around that year we were, we were pretty we we're going pretty good like and we traveled all over the country and we had some pretty good success in people rocking up to shows and and they enjoyed what we did and that was very enjoyable at the time so but yeah as i said this time like you know coming back with a few songs it resist now has been around for a little bit, you know, a couple of years here and there. Like we've just write, written some songs and put out a few like singles and whatnot. But we thought, you know what, we're going to give the people that care. We're going to write a record, and, and if people enjoy it, then so be it. If people don't, then whatever. It yeah. is what it is. You're not putting <laughs> you're not putting extra pressure and you know expectation on yourself because I think that's probably you know correct me if I'm wrong that's probably something that affected the real uh, sovereignty album was you know as you mentioned you went to the US you spent a lot of money you would have spent a lot of time and the probably the pressure and expectation for that to hit a certain mark or goal was very high while nowadays you're so relaxed with it that as long as you're enjoying it that's the expectation and if you achieve that then everything else is a bonus oh without a doubt i think with sovereignty we sort of went the, the, we sort of tried to go a little bit more heavier and sort of get away from the death course sort of vibe where it sort of lost like don't get me wrong in my opinion there is some really good songs on sovereignty but overall as an album i th- think it sort of lacked a lot of resist elements which made resist resist and I think that with our new stuff that we're releasing now, I think it goes back to those old elements which made Resist, which I think is, is also really special because it does bring out people from back in the day that did enjoy Resist go, oh, this sounds like Resist. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that in its sense is really good. And, and some of the stuff the boys write, I'm just like, this is this is awesome. Like, I'm really impressed with what I'm hearing here. And, yeah, as I said, Sovereignty sort of lost itself a little bit. And um, and I feel like this, this what we're bringing out now will – you know, bring a lot of old fans and plus a lot of new fans, which is great. What made you guys, you know, pull the plug around 2013? You know, Sovereignty comes out 2012, you know, and then you guys just kind of, that's it, it's over. Um, you know, so what what made you guys pull the plug at the time? And then the second part of the question is, you know, what's the honest reaction and feeling behind something that you're given so much time and effort to? Does it feel like it was wasted time? Do you feel disappointed? Do you feel like you missed out? You know, what was that period like for you? Yeah, so initially when we ended Sovereignty, uh, well, we, we put Sovereignty out and we sort of thought, you know what, this is... I think the expectation we had at the time was just so high. We just honestly thought the album would blow up and and we would have that next step because we're in between, you know what, should we try and go overseas? Should we try and just sacrifice everything and go over there and try and make it? What should we do? We didn't know what to do. And at the time, myself and the guitarist, Tim Aaron, we both bought houses. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you buy an asset, it sort of makes it very hard to 
you know, it doesn't give you freedom as such. No. As much as buying a house is really cool in Australia with the price, especially in Sydney, the prices for houses are so expensive. But, you know, having that house, it sort of ties you down as such. So it was a really tricky thing because I was like, as much as I wanted to try and make it, at the same time I was tied down by a house. And it just, we're clashing heads. A lot of the, like the guitarists, Rick Kalija at the time, um, the old guitarist Rick Kalija at the time and Tim Aaron, they were button heads and there was a lot of, it was just really difficult. And I think we just thought, you know what, why we're all friends as such at the time, let's just, let's just, you know, end on a high and, and it is what it is. Let's just pack it up. <laughs> as sad as it is, it, that was reality at the time. And, and look, I, I don't regret any of it. I'm, I'm very grateful that of what Resist was at the time and what we did. But as I said, I just get to keep going back to the fact that what we are now is just completely different. And, uh, you know, we're just doing it for the fun and love. And if people enjoy it, they do. If they don't, then so be it. Did you guys get a big? Did you guys get a big reaction when you decided to call it quits? Because you know, it, it from an outside looking in, you were a very well loved, I believe, loved and followed band in Australia. So I mean, when you guys decide to call it quits, you know, from understandable reasons, like life is growing to a point where it needs to keep moving, so you can't stop it. But you know, what's the reaction from fans of, of Resist at the time? Are they is there a lot of disappointment or was there, you know, a lot of like, yeah, thank fuck, fuck off. It's interesting because I think at the time there was a lot of bands. There's so many bands coming up in Hearts Way, Bermuda uh, sorry not Bermuda, Buried in Verona, they'll be there's so many bands like that were, you know, North Lane you know, that were coming up. So I thought, I think that we were a bit like, you know, resistant, but we've got all these other distractions, so so be it. I'm sure there was a lot of loyal fans that really enjoyed what we did and that were quite disappointed. But overall, as I said, I think the world, as you say, the world just keeps going and uh, there's more bands and, 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 and so be it. But, but yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it's about five years passes and then the rumblings of resist coming back starts happening. So two part question is one, are you at this stage in these five years, are you kind of forgetting music? Has it become a bit of a back burner of something to pursue? And then the second question, how did the guys and you, because it's a new band now, you're the only OG member. How did you come together and start resist again? Interesting question. So we, the, the way we got together was um, a guy called Chris Elder. He does video clips for a lot of big bands. We were the first guys to do um, a video clip with Chris Elder. Um, he's done video clips for Polaris and uh, North Lane and many other bands um, in Australia. It's quite well known. But he was having his 10-year anniversary and he wanted Resist to play a show like a like a you know a final show as such and, and play for his birthday. So he contacted. A few of the members in the band and I did as well and said, hey, you know, Chris is sort of having this thing. Are you interested in doing a reunion? Um, and some of the members said, yeah, they were interested in doing it. The, the older members were interested in doing it and some weren't. So I tried to get a few guys together that weren't, you know, to try and get something together so we could play this show and for Chris's birthday and whatnot. End up, you know, sort of flopping and I had to end up getting, because Chris advertised that we were playing a show. So I had to sort of scramble and get some guys together that, you know, I knew um, and to play these final shows, final show sort of thing. And uh, yeah, and I ended up getting them together and, and we just gelled and we just had a lot of fun. We played that, that show and then another guy was interested in putting us on a show with Polaris and uh, a few other, uh, Justice for the Dam in Sydney. And we were like, yeah, why not? Let's do that as well. We'll do an over 18s one and then we'll do a, you know, an under 18s one and we'll see what happens. And I was shocked. The 18, you know, over 18 show for Chris's birthday, there were so many people and people were killing each other. And I was like, this is, this is insane. Like, <laughs> I can't believe people still like resist. I was just shocked. You know, and I was just absolutely shocked. And, and, and then the All Ages show, it was interesting because I remember playing the All, All Ages show and, and we were playing. So it was Justice for the Dam, then us, then Polaris. Justice for the Dam played, everyone went mental. Then we played and everyone looked around like, who the hell are these guys? Where the hell are 
Phoenix night before. And it was, it was actually quite an awkward show. And then Polaris played and the, the place went wild. But it just shows to show you how far this scene sort of moved on and, and, and all the old guys are the ones that are sort of into us now and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's quite interesting. <laughs> when you guys come together and you do this show and you see this reaction, was it kind of automatic that, okay, maybe we should keep this chemistry we're now forming and pursue with the name Resist? Or did you think at any stage, look, maybe we try something completely different, new name, new logo, et cetera, et cetera, or was it always, all right, we're going to stick with Resist? To be honest with you, we, we were going to start another band. We had it all figured out. But the thing is, it's so difficult to sort of start from the ground. Like all the efforts that Resist did, you know, to get that groundwork, to get fans. It was so hard. Like, And that's all, like, to me and the boys, we just we just want to put music out there. If people like it, they like it. So why not just piggyback off the Resist name and, and you know, and use it and play Resist music? Because that's what we are. We're Resist, you know, and we write heavy music fast melodic melodic riffs and and my vocals you know it's it's resist like let's just do that you know we've got the platform there and if people like it they like it if they don't so be it but i think the resist sound is just it's in my opinion it's it's unique you know it's you know it's deathcore unique sort of riffing stuff and it, it, it seems to work and the boys are keen to jump on board with it and and the rest is sort of history well i mean you guys kind of you know really also announced yourself to coming back because I think that something's exciting that you've done up until, you know, the upcoming album is dropping singles. You know, you're giving a taste. You know, you, you first released Set Me Free and then Awakened Salvation. And then there's been a few this year, but talking about those two in particular, was this a thing of like, well, we've written a song, we'll get one out, and the advantage of doing a single is we're not, you know, delayed in having to write five songs for an EP or ten songs for an album? Was it just, we have a song written, let's get it out? Look, we, we did. We were always working on music, you know. But the thing is, a lot of people don't understand writing music. One, it's time. Two, it's loads of money. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a collective collective effort and the older you get it's harder to get everyone together and and stuff like that so it wasn't intentional as such we would just write stuff and and what we could afford to record uh we did we didn't want to do it ourselves and just make uh, like a shitty recording like at home which we could have done we wanted to record with a guy that we really enjoy recording with chris blancotta he's an absolute genius he he does north lane stuff and, and, and numerous other bands he's an absolute genius here in sydney um, we wanted to record with him, and uh, so we just saved our pennies and, and, and went forward, you know, and, and hence the reason why there were singles, not an EP, and we've had to do sort of a bit of hard work by putting some, you know, merch out, playing the shows that we've had, we've had to save our money, um, and, and that's how we were able to afford to record an album, but being in a band, it's, it's, it's not all just, oh, I'm just going to lay out this money, and, you know, it's, everything's rainbow and butterflies. It's a lot of dedication, time, and, and, and money, and sacrifice. You know, like the two video clips. You know, they, they cost they cost money. You know, you got to pay for people's time and effort and editing and, and stuff like that. So it's just it's just what we can afford at the time, and that's what sort of what we went with. Well, I mean, I think it. You know, whether you meant it or not, I think it was really smart marketing in a way, unintentional marketing, but it was really smart because. You know, the band is known to be back and then it's kind of like a tease to say, look, here's some, here's some to consume yourself with, enjoy, get into, remember Resist is back. Um, and it seemed like, you know, people were really enjoying it because, like you said, it's the Resist sound but also a maturity in the sound. You know, you guys have, all the singles you've released, you've shown that you guys are willing to adapt and not pigeonhole yourself, which I think is something unique based off what you used to be like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially with, like, Matt coming on board, he can have his clean singing, which I never thought Resist would have clean singing in it. It was never, ever <laughs> thought about. <laughs> but, you know, we just wrote some cool melodies that oh, I, I thought would have, you know, would be cool to have clean singing in it and you know so and, and it in my opinion i think it works and people seem to enjoy it i read comments on youtube and facebook and stuff like that people never say really much negative stuff about it it's majority positive so that that seems to be a cool thing that we've added another element to resist which is fantastic 
but yeah, like as I said, it's it is what it is. Like, and we just keep doing our thing. And then you know you get those two singles out, and it looked like yeah everything was moving real. You know, I can't say quickly, but it was moving in the direction of clearly something was going to come ahead. And then obviously, you know, world goes fucking ape shit, and everything is kind of stopped and cancelled for. You know, people say a year and a half, but it's more like two years, really, when you look at it. So during this period, you know, you've already said how difficult and the reality of recording music can be for, you know, an independent artist. But was this adding further difficulties for you guys to record more music and get together and do things? We sort of had this this album, sorry, yeah, album that we've got that we're releasing soon. Um, it, it, it's been in the work for so long, really, since we've even, even when those singles were out, we've, we've written these songs like at home on, on the computer and written vocals to them, you know, and stuff like that. But it's, you know, and we actually did record this for a while. We've actually been sitting on these for quite some time, not intentionally. It's just the way of the world at the moment, you know, like the way it is, we just didn't know when the right time was to release it. We didn't know what we're up against and stuff like that. So we sort of just sat on it for a bit and thought, you know what, let's just see what happens. And, and, you know, you've just got to trust the timing. And we just, yeah, we just released two singles and, and here we are. Like, you know, I think, you know, the albums, I'm, it's funny, I don't even know when the albums get released. I know it's coming up soon. but August 6th. August 6th. August 6th. See, I don't even know what date it's supposed to come <laughs> up. So not in the loop with it all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, we just, yeah, we just go with the flow, mate. That's it. Well, I, I love I love that you guys are going with the flow, and you know, this year, you know, you certainly well, you didn't waste any time. You know, you've you've can't you've dropped Bringer of Misery, you've dropped Glass Casket, and you've dropped The End of Us, and it feels like you guys are really making it known that you're back now. You know, you're hitting us with the music, which is great. I mean, people like myself, I drive for work and stuff, you know, it's great to consume music because it gives me the opportunity. So what suddenly made you decide, okay, now's the time to release these singles to lead into the album? Because you could have technically waited even longer. I mean, really. I don't know. Like, I think people people these days have such short attention spans. Mm. We, you know, we live in a fast-paced world now. So I feel like if you release an album, people listen to it a couple of times and they get over it. So why not stagnate it out? But even for even for my sake, you know, like, you know, I don't want to drop an album. I don't have time to sit there and listen to a whole album. Why not just release singles every couple of weeks? And, and that way people can absorb the music instead of just going, you know what, I'm just going to skim through this. Yeah, don't like that. That's, that's shit, you know, and actually listen to what – what we've created, you know, like, and you either like it or you don't, but that's, I prefer that than, you know, just dropping the whole thing and, and going, enjoy, you know, <laughs> at least, you know, you get to listen to the song, the song and, and yeah, that's, that's the reason why we did it. We just thought, why not just, you know, release it as it goes sort of thing. It's great. And, you know, as, as we were saying, you know, you're not great on your dates, but August 6th Renaissance, it's coming out and, you know, it, it doesn't seem to be the only thing going on. You know, unfortunately, you've had the postponement and reshuffling of the Thy Art shows. So it looks like you guys, you know, you touch wood, if everything is going to eventually go back to normal, you guys are going to start playing shows when you can. I mean, that's got to be exciting. Oh, absolutely. But obviously, the uncertainty at the moment is just so up in the air. And oh, honestly, I, I can't see this shit ending for you know god knows when <laughs> i really can't but obviously it is exciting and we want to get the music out there and we want to play shows like the energy that we bring as a as a band you know um is, is quite intense and you know we all bring it together and we've got we've got it going on so i can't wait to get out there but i just honestly can't see it happening anytime soon unfortunately but once the opportunity arises we'll be there we'll be out there it's also exciting that it's been it's nine, nine years since your last release came out and now, you know, probably something that never looked like it was going to happen is happening. You've got another, you know, release. I know, as we were saying, cons- consumption's different, but still, it's another release coming out. Like, that's crazy. Nearly 10 years, bang, we've finally got some new Resist full length going on. Yeah, <laughs> it's sort of mind-blowing. It's sort of, uh, it just, it's weird because this whole, COVID stuff has just made everything a big blur. 
So it's hard to absorb what's actually really going on, like, because we live in such, as I said, a fast-paced world and all this crap that's going on. You sort of don't focus on it. But when you really do sit down and think about it, yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm really happy and I'm really impressed with, with what we've got. And I, I really think people are really going to enjoy it. There's so many different elements and, and especially the lyrical content is just so, you know, it really sits well with, you know, the way modern society is and the way we see the world today, you know, and everyone can really reflect on that by reading the lyrics and, you know, they can feel the emotion in, in the lyrics. And I just think it's, yeah, it's just really going to, people are really going to enjoy it. So, I mean, what is your approach? You know, you're mentioning lyrical content there. What is your approach? Is it usually the song comes to you and then you throw your lyrics into it and work your lyrics around? Or are you someone that is always kind of jotting down ideas and eventually when you get a song, you kind of fit your ideas around the song? How do you write your songs? So, majority of the time the guitarists would write riffs and and the beautiful thing these days which we didn't have back in the day is is the software that you can have on computers now you can write riffs with drums so easily like so easily back in the day we couldn't do that we just had to come together with a few riffs sit in a studio and actually write them down and write drums to it by guitar uh, then the bass would come along and then the vocals would come on later on and it's sort of what we do now but uh the boys will write the song, send it to us. We can restructure, retweak things and do things around. And then the vocal sort of the last sort of piece to it all. Um, and a lyric, like, and, and the way I've approached it these, these times, whoever's in the band that has an idea, a concept, whatever, if you want to write lyrical content to it, you can do it by all means. And there's so much better lyricists in the band than what, what I am. So majority of the music that's on the, on the album, I wrote Bring Her a Misery. Um, and Max written a few songs. The the bass player's written a few songs. It just whatever vibe people like. People get drawn to songs. I got drawn to bring uh, bring her a misery straight away. As soon as I heard that, I, I I just was drawn to it, and I thought I can write this. This is a pretty easy thing to write to. And 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 the other boys felt the same with the other songs. So we sort of just it's a collective. We just go along with whatever we feel at the time. We just try and keep things as simple as possible. We don't try and complicate things, and we just go with the vibes, the feels. Well, that's the way to be, man. I mean, at this stage in life, it's the way to be. And with everything that's going on, it's the way to be. You know, if if you had to try and sum up the album lyrically in a sentence, what would you say it is? Well, it sort of goes along with the title, you know, with the way modern society is, that we've always sort of drawn to that lyrical content. And, and you know, there's, we, touch thing, we touch base on, you know, um, you know the genocide, that happened with, you know, Aboriginals. We've, we've touched on that um, in one of our songs. We've touched on, you know, COVID. We've touched on, you know, the digital aspect of the way the, the world is, how everyone's so drawn to devices. We sort of just relate it into, you know, the, the way we see modern society. That's the perfect way of describing the album. We just, it's just in, in terms of lyrical content, we just, we just go off the way we see things, you know, the way we perceive things. We just put it into heavy music. Fuck yeah. Now, you, you know, an interesting thing you were mentioning, and this is something I've got to, you know, as a Queenslander to a New South Welshman, um, I don't know what you're seeing down there with the gig scene um, or music scene, but something is strange for anyone listening who isn't in Australia. We are allowing maximum capacity sporting events at rugby league and... uh, a-League, these kind of things, but we won't allow gigs to be back into full you know, capacity and full activity. I mean, f- for me, as a, an obsessed fan of music, it's, that's mind-boggling. Boggling. But what's it like for you as, a, as an artist that you're seeing like the origin go ahead, but they won't let 300 people be in a room to mosh? It's very disappointing. In my opinion, I just feel very... See, I'm lucky I have a full-time job as well as doing resistance. So do the other boys and whatnot. But a lot of the guys, you know, like you think of the artist Murder and North Lane, they rely on touring. That's what they do for a job. They literally travel the world, play music, they get money, and they support themselves. A lot of these guys can't do that at the moment. It is just absolutely so difficult uh, times at the moment for artists. And I just really hope that people can understand that, They've got to pay for roadies. They've got to pay for so much stuff, gear getting travelled, you know, merchandise to get printed, you know, petrol, you know, so many facets of being in a band. And I just, I just can't comprehend, 
you know, the pain and suffering that these guys are going through, you know, physically and mentally, you know, it's, it's so draining. So I just think that people need to get out there and support music by buying merchandise, doing whatever you can, even donating. I know donating is a bit random to send to bands, but like if you really enjoy bands and you really love them and you want to see them go somewhere, like help them out. Like as much, I'm, we're all in this together. We're all in this shitstorm together. I don't know. People are having different battles in, in different facets and stuff like that, but we need to come together as a community and, and get through this. Otherwise, there's going to be no music scene. Well, that, that leads me into the question I was going to ask you. You know, um, Australians heavy scene and i use quotation marks with heavy it has always been something that ebbs and flows and struggles in certain periods and certain decades but what do you think the ramifications and possible nightmare scenarios might be for future you know in two years time do you think there'll still be a lot of bands wanting to do this or do you think bands are going to start looking at this and thinking maybe it's not for me it's difficult enough but now it makes it even more difficult I think live music definitely creates community and it definitely creates other bands. It sparks something. When you watch bands live, that's why you have live music. Otherwise, you just listen to it on your on your device. But it creates something in someone. Like and we can relate back to the when I was a kid, like watching Killswitch Engage for the first time. You know, it just enlightens something in you and make builds passion and, and and drive. And you think, fuck, this is sick. I want to do that. I want to do this. You know, so that will definitely have an effect moving forward with other bands. Uh, and you can see it already. Like, there's not many music bands in. There's not a lot of a lot of heavy bands in Sydney. Like, there really isn't. There's a fair. There's a handful. Where back in the day, every second person wanted to be a musician. And I just don't see the future being bright. Unfortunately. I, re- I really don't. I'm being honest, but yeah, I just I, I can't see it really moving far forward with the current climb we are. Unless we can get out of this shit and we can start enjoying live music again and going to shows, I really oh, I'm, I'm quite I'm quite nervous to see what the future holds for music. I, I really am. Yeah, look, I agree, man, and I think something also like you've kind of touched on it as well previously is now with the digital age and attention spans being smaller and, you know, it it is the reality of the situation that if someone doesn't like one song on an album, they'll just flick it and they'll go listen to a Polish uh, deathcore band instead or, you know, this kind of thing, that doesn't help. You add COVID coming into the mix with no real live music, that doesn't help. And then bands have to think out of the box and while that is a good idea sometimes it's starting to be a bit weird like personally i i know a lot of bands are doing this live streaming thing like live footage gig in a warehouse while i commend them for thinking out of the box i don't know for me it's a bit weird watching a live 45 minute set of a band in a in a warehouse it doesn't quite do it for me I totally agree. It, it really, you really miss out on that, you know, that presence, that live energy, you know, the speakers, you know, the music coming through the speakers, you miss that. Like just watching it through your monitor, as I said, people have short attention spans. So the minute something distracts them, they're just going to turn it off, you know, um, and you go to a show, you walk in and watch a band, like even if you don't like them, you can still hear it. Even if you're in the other room, you're still going to listen to it. You've got to be drawn to the energy, the community that's surrounded, you know, the, the music scene. And I just, it's just so unfortunate. I just really, I really feel for bands, you know, I really do. I, I really do, especially Australian music and the way that the government's handling this whole thing. It's just, it's just diabolical in my opinion. Oh, it's fucking, it's appalling, man, the way they're handling it. You know, like I said, live sport, yeah, 60,000, go for it. You know, don't worry about your masks and social distancing, go for it. But hey, if 200 of you people want to listen to a heavy band, you're fucked. It's not happening. Weird, exactly. weird. It's all, about the, it's all about the dollars. It's all about the money. <laughs> oh. And and like you said, unfortunately, it's going to have an impact. But you know, one of the last questions I want to ask before we go into my wrap up segment is, you know, you 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 were in this at a young age, and you've come through a lot of experiences and a lot of ups and downs. But for anyone listening that is, whether they're Australian or not, doesn't matter. But if they're young. And looking to get into this, what are some of the harsh realities do you think that you wish you had been told at a young age doing heavy music? That's a very interesting question. Um, Heavy metal isn't perceived by everyone. Obviously, there's a very small minority that like heavy music. So that's obviously very difficult because you're trying to, you know, you want to be a rock star and you want to be able to travel and do all that. But you really, your market is very small. 
So it, it is very, very difficult to be a musician, but it should never stop you. If you have a passion, a dream, or anything you want to do in life, go full force. There's nothing should stop you, you know? Like, And that's the same with what I tried to do in, in my life. I just tried to put every all my eggs in one basket and, and go forward and try and, you know, it was never about anyone else. It was always about, you know, the, the, the band, the collective that we had. It was always about, you know being the best version of ourselves and, and playing music that we enjoy. If you, if you forget about playing music that you enjoy, playing music that you love, you're never going to be anyone. And I, I, I've never been successful, like, in, in music, but I, I can just tell, like, from bands that are, you know, like, you know, look at Metallica and whatnot. They've, 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 you've got to have that collective. You've got to have that, you know, morale between you guys and, and you've got to move forward as a unit. Otherwise, there's no point. No, exactly. But what about what about the industry? I mean, are there, do you think the industry had some sides to it that you wish you had known about as well, like the good, the bad, and the ugly? Because, you know, I think sometimes younger generations that are getting into bands don't really know the reality that the industry sometimes holds. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like, you know, even like, you know, playing shows and whatnot, obviously people want to play shows to make... At first, you play shows to, you know in front of a crowd or whatnot but then it gets to the point where you have to make some money you got to buy merchandise you got to pay fuel you got to you know stay in accommodation you gotta, there's so many facets to it so you know like there's just so many different elements you know in, in being an artist but I, I think the main facet of it all is you need to just focus on what you're creating do it for the love do it for the enjoyment and see what happens you got nothing to lose yeah fuck yeah now Reese, we are finishing up on the final segment, which is called Pick Your Poison. Now, everyone's had this. 170 different guests from all around the world have had this. Um, you name them, they've had it. But let's see how you go with it. It's called Pick Your Poison. What happens? I give you two options. You pick your favourite of the two. You do not need to justify your answer, but you are welcome to justify your answer. All right? Sounds good. Pizza or burger? Uh, pizza. Chicken or beef? Chicken. Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Chinese. Beer or whiskey? Whiskey. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Mars or Snickers? Snickers. Smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Smooth. Ooh. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Soft taco or crunchy taco? Might go soft. Ooh, okay. Uh, last ever meal. You having it at home or are you having it at a restaurant? Uh, restaurant for sure. New movie comes out. Seeing it at the cinema or seeing it on the couch? Definitely the couch. Love the couch. Uh, spend the day at the beach or spend the day at the snow? Snow all day long. PlayStation or Xbox? Xbox. Cat or dog? I work with animals, so that's a tough one. Um, I'll say dog. Okay. Terminator or Predator? Can I say neither? <laughs> Ooh, that's going to send some waves. I like that. Yeah, it's good. I don't, don't really know much about it. <laughs> hey, that's fine. I like it. That's refreshing. I like it. We like fresh takes. We like fresh takes. Um, Rambo or Rocky? Uh, Rocky, for sure. Okay. South Park or Simpsons? Simpsons. Okay. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Okay. Now, this is probably the difficult section. This is a music section. You're finding this way too easy, but I like that. I like <laughs> it. Um, Slayer or Pantera? You're gonna, this is just such a non-metal thing, but I, to be honest with you, I'm not really a fan of either. I like that. Yep, I'll give it to you. Like I, I've never, I've seen Slayer live. I've seen Slayer live too, and they're very impressive. But I just, I don't know, just not my thing. Yeah, I'll give it to you. And I liked Pantera as a kid, but then I got older, and I was like, eh, yeah. So I'll give that to you. That's a good one. Um, Terra or Madball? Uh Terra. Okay. Cannibal Corpse or Black Dahlia Murder? Black Dahlia Murder for sure. Uh, White Chapel or Suicide Silence? Chapel. Okay. Uh, Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Um, Slipknot or Machine Head? Slipknot. Limp Biscuit or Corn? Corn. Okay, now here's your last few. Um, let's say you're back playing live shows, there's no barrier, anything goes. Do you want to see stage dives happening or mic grabs happening? 
stage dives. Oh, fuck yeah. What about going to a show? You know, are you going to watch it from the pit or watch it from the sound desk? Um, probably, I don't know. <laughs> That's a tricky question. To be honest, probably sound desk. If not, I'll probably just listen from out the back. Yeah. Um, second last one. Now, let's imagine they exist independently of each other. But would you rather tour for the rest of your life or record music for the rest of your life? Record music for the rest of my life. Fuck yeah. And last one is the only one that's a triple one. But I'm going to give you your all-time favorite album. And the way I give it to you is the only way you can listen to it. Do you want it on CD, vinyl, or on your phone? Probably probably on my phone. Yeah, it's just so much more convenient. I mean, I love collecting, but, you know, it's easier on your phone. Yeah, it's just easier. It's more convenient for sure. And I don't carry around a vinyl player with me, so. Exactly uh, right. <laughs> that's a bit weird. Um, look, <laughs> first thing i got to say, Reese, um, thank you so very, very much. A lot of love, a lot of respect, and a lot of appreciation for you. You know, giving me the time, giving me your energy, and for coming on the show means a lot for me as a fan. Um, but also will mean a lot to the listeners. So first thing, thank you, dude. Thank you so much. No, thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. All the best. You're a legend. Thank you. Thanks, brother. appreciate it, man. All right, catch. Take care, man. Bye.
So that was my chat with Reese of Resist the Thought. At the end there, the first track you heard was The End of Us, which is the single from their upcoming album Renaissance, which sees its release August 6th. Second track you heard was Set Me Free, which is one of their most recent released singles. And the last two tracks were both off Sovereignty. First one was titled Resurrect the Reaper, and the last one was titled A Plague Reborn. Now's the part of the show where I spark that thing inside you to support the band that's been on the show. So if you enjoyed the music or you enjoyed the conversation at the end there, now's your chance. Jump online, stream it, download it, consume the fuck out of that music. If you're into physicals, make sure you get yourself a CD or a vinyl. And lastly, if you're into merch, make sure you get online and get yourself a shirt, a hoodie or some shorts. Now I need to take this moment to thank Reese again. Thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Let's stay in touch. Look forward to seeing what's next for the band. And that's it. That's the Mosh Zone episode 172. Done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget... You can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.